This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, my name is Paul Wheelock and welcome to a special Royal Blue Podcast. Now, if you've been on Twitter or Facebook today, you may already know that Tim Cahill is celebrating his 39th birthday. So not that we needed an excuse, but we've put together a show celebrating the best £1.5 million Everton are ever likely to spend. To do that, I spoke to three Aussie-based Evertonians, Ronan Matthews, Lachlan Spateri and Robert Martin. We talked what Tim Cahill means to them, both as massive Blues and Australians, and the influence he had on them supporting the club. We all remember his goals against Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea and many others, but what made Tim extra special in the eyes of Evertonians? We then ponder the possibility of Australia's all-time leading goalscorer returning to the club in the future once his playing career comes to an end. We also talk the current day and the new blue heroes hoping to follow in Tim's footsteps and the job Marco Silva and Marcel Brands are doing. And of course, we ask what it's like to follow the blues from the other side of the world. We hope you enjoy the show. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hi, Ronan. It's great to have you on this podcast to talk Tim Cale and all things Everton. How are you doing? Thanks, Paul. Great. Yeah, fantastic talk about Tim Cahill, fellow Aussie. So I'm more more than happy. Yeah, I'm like you, mate. I don't need much of an excuse to to talk about <laughs> Tim Cahill, but the fact that it's his birthday and he's recently retired from international football gives us the perfect chance to do so. Uh, as we were saying before we press record on this conversation, he's such a massive inspiration and hero to Evertonians here on Merseyside, but I imagine that's very much the case, if not even more so, to, to Blues based in Australia like yourself. Well, based in Australia, since, I guess, his introduction to Everton back in 2004, since then, he was the figurehead of Australian football. The, the four names that were banging around back then were Tim Cahill, Harry Kuehl, Mark Schwarzer and Viduka at the time. Um, I wanted to answer the Harry Kuehl discussion, but Tim Cahill, <laughs> in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of how he's, I guess, uh, figured across Australia and... and and comes across his plus across every single FIFA that's yeah. been released since 06 onwards. Um, he's the icon of Australian football. 50 goals for Australian, leading goal scorer for Australian, scored three times in the derbies. When people look up to football in Australia and they want to play football, they follow the leagues abroad, best leagues in abroad, EPL. Okay, who are you going to follow there? Follow fellow Australian. It's the same thing universally in a sense for the NBA if – um, an Australian wants to follow a team and they might follow Ben Simmons for that reason, being a fellow Australian, but it lashes on for that. But there's more to Tim Cahill than that. There's more to him being an Australian and that's part of wearing the shirt and the blue-collar nature of the man. Definitely, and it's, it's certainly something that charmed with Evertonians. Did, again, you tell me otherwise, but did you become an Everton fan because of Tim Cahill or were you already a fan of the club before he arrived and played for it with such distinction? I was a fan actually through family history. Um, my dad living up north, uh, supported Everton before immigrating to Australia. So I did his dad as well. Um, but Tim Cahill, so I was interested in Everton, but Tim Cahill really, he sealed the deal for me. Uh, he, he sealed the deal. And a four or five, that was, that was it. Um, and since then, it's all in blue. OK, well, hi, Lachlan. Thank you very much to, uh, for joining me on this podcast. We're, we're talking Tim Cahill, we're talking Everton, we're talking following the club from the other side of the world in Australia. How are you, mate? You OK? Yeah, I'm good. It's, uh, it's a little bit later here, but uh, 
get to bed soon. So yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah, appreciate it. If anyone's listening, it's it's pushing eleven o'clock in Australia now. <laughs> so appreciate the guys staying up so late to talk to us. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, Tim Cale would have turned uh, thirty nine. It's his birthday this week, and he's obviously retired from international football. So he's he's been in the news again lately. So we thought, why not? speak to some Aussie-based blues about him because he's obviously a massive inspiration to, to us guys back home in Merseyside, but I imagine that's even more so uh, for people like yourself based in Australia and who support Everton. Yeah, well, I imagine there's a lot of people like me who, when they were growing up as, as a teenager, I'm 26 now, but I started following Everton when I was about 10 or 11. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't exactly say it's common to be an Everton fan out here. Uh, you usually get the, the typical... Big four from the from the old days, or maybe the big six now. Like a lot of people following them, but uh, I guess when you know Tim Cahill became a big name out in Australia, a lot of people really took notice and, and started following the club. Kind of like like myself, um, I more or less got into football because a lot of my mates followed the the English Premier League over there, and and it came to choosing a team. And I guess one of the things was I knew who Tim Cahill was, I knew who Harry Kuehl was, but uh, I've always been more inclined to to go on the blue side of yeah. teams. So I, I chose the Everton, I chose the Blues. And um, it's it's been a rocky adventure ever since, that's for sure. Yeah, that sounds the life of an Everton fan, unfortunately. But it, it goes to show, like, you know, from one person there, he must have been an inspirational person to look at. But then you've bought completely into this uh, into this fan culture. You know, I'm part of your group, the, uh, like, Australian Blues over there. It's, it's all encompassing, isn't it? And it all started because of Tim. Yeah, I, I think um, there, was, there was already... Uh, I guess a, a core of expats over here following the Blues, um, and you know uh, I'm good mates with a lot of those guys. They've been, uh, you know, good with uh, I guess uh, informing me and, and teaching myself and a lot of the other younger guys about the club and about the history of the club. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously you do your own learning and you, and you do your own stuff like that. But having those guys here has been pretty good. There's been a lot of a lot of the younger guys who. Uh, you know, obviously, when Tim was playing for us, uh, he was a big inspiration for a lot of those people because he was banging in the goals for for Australia. He was banging in the goals for Everton, and uh, I mean, in all honesty, in terms of Australian players who, at their peak, it, it's the last probably ten years. It's been very rare that you've actually had players playing for Australia who have been as good for their club, but all but at the same time as good for the country um so i think that was a very that was a very a very big thing and a very big motivation for a lot you know, a lot of people a lot of a lot of kids um who decided to start following everton well hi robert uh really good to speak to you for this podcast we'll be over the next 10 15 minutes with yourself we'll be talking tim kale and all things everton uh you, you're speaking very late at night over in australia how are you a bit tired hopefully not <laughs> up for a chat about Everton so this is great yeah again it's it's Tim Cahill's birthday when, the, when this podcast comes out he'll have turned 39 uh, he's recently retired from international football and it's just good to, to catch up with some Evertonians who follow the club from the other side of the world in Australia you know Tim is, is such a big inspiration to a, a lot of Evertonians, you know, different generations, certainly my generation. But is that the case for you guys, but even maybe even more so, given the fact that you're Evertonians in Australia and he served the club and, and the country with such distinction? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think many Australians have... I mean, I know a number of people uh, 
support Everton because of Tim Cahill, I think, and the influence that he had uh, on the Australian game. I mean, he was, I rank him as probably one of the best three Australian players of the recent history. Um, and probably, probably in some respects, probably one of the most successful, I think, as well. I mean, he scored Australia's first ever World Cup goals at a World Cup finals and uh, is an Australian legend. So I think a lot of people saw him as a, 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 when they got interested in the English game as well, thought, who should we follow? Well, um, then Tim Cahill will be, well, so Everton will be a natural team to follow um, because of the, the influence and the uh, the appeal, I think, of Tim Cahill, such a popular player, not just amongst Evertonians, but certainly amongst Australian supporters as well. Yeah, you go back 15 years ago now to when he first signed for Everton for a, a million and a half pounds from, from Millwall. They probably, he'd, he'd done really well at Millwall. I remember him helping them get all the way to an FA Cup final, but I don't think anyone could ever have expected the, the impact he had at Goodison uh, and, and, and how big a favourite he grew, he grew to become. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I'd never really heard of him much. Uh, I mean, I followed the game and I knew he, that they got to an FA Cup final, that's right, but never really heard much about him. And, in, and then Moyes signed him. I think probably Iranium is probably Moyes' best signing. Yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. for a million and a half pounds for what he uh, for what he did. But, I mean, he was, that, particularly that first season, I mean, Everton were in all sorts of trouble um, at the beginning of that season where Rooney had gone and you know, I think they lost the first game 4-1 to Arsenal and I think Wenger said at that, you know, thought at that point oh, Everton are going to go down and then Cahill came along and <laughs> was an inspiration and the team finished fourth it was a brilliant season and Cahill was just uh, an immense player in that in that season and, and obviously in the Moyes era um, so I, mean, I don't think anyone could have anticipated um, not just Cahill but the whole of um, that particular season as well What are your best memories of him in a blue shirt before we talk about his time for Australia is there anything that particularly stands out in terms of general general play yeah that overhead kick against Chelsea that comes to mind the goals against Liverpool but his general not the goals that he scored his general manner on the pitch um, his professionalism and his willingness to wear the shirt it's not shown just through the 90 minutes that he's played. It's shown off the field as well. Um, shown for the respect that he shows for the club. When uh, when Everton played the second round tie against Millwall, I think it was in the third round of the FA Cup, and he scored the winner to, to reach the next round. He didn't celebrate out of pure respect from Millwall because he knows his roots. He knows where he comes from. Um, same thing. He's a return from, He returned to Millwall recently and had a stint there because he knows his roots, because he respects that. Um, and he's played more games for Everton and scored more goals for Everton. So he is an Evertonian first and foremost. Let's get that right. Uh, the the late winners against City are they're pretty good. But there's whenever anyone asks me what's your what's your favourite Everton goal, it's always Tim Cahill at the bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. It was yeah. James McFadden crossed it in that really low ball. Timmy puts it on the side of his foot and it goes in the sky and then he just puts in this bicycle kick in the 90th minute. I was, I think I was about 14 years old and that game started at, it was probably about 1.30 in the morning in Australia and by the time it was finished, uh, you know, it's somewhere around 3.30 and my parents were downstairs and I knew if they heard me then I would be in a, in a bit of trouble. So when he banged that bicycle, that bicycle kick goal in, I did my best to stay as quiet but go as crazy as possible. So <laughs> that's definitely the, the, the best one. Um, 
there's the city goals as well, obviously. The, um, yeah, that's the, that's. I think the Chelsea one. That's the hundred percent. Uh, well, I think I think the best I remember him was in a white shirt when he scored the um, equaliser against Chelsea. It's funny, all uh, all you guys have said the same thing. They all had kick, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's a great place to go and get a point, I suppose, particularly in the context. It was right, right at the very end of the game, but I mean, it's just typical Tim Cahill. He he had an ability to score late goals, great goals, and goals against. Uh, top teams, which I think is something that you know certainly wouldn't have minded last weekend. Yeah, <laughs> to get, yeah. to have question. Tim Cahill pop up and get an 88 minute winner like that would have would have been that would have been a very quiet um, Anfield at that particular point. But uh, yeah, but I mean I think that was the thing that uh, I mean I, I loved I loved Tim Cahill and Everton shirt. That's why I've you know, I've got a shirt when, when I got a shirt. In the, I think it was the 2008 season. I got a shirt and, and there was no. There wasn't even a, an issue about who am I going to get as the, the name on the back. It was Tim Cahill. Like it was just not, not even an issue. It was just his easy choice as an Australian passionate uh, football supporter, passionate Everton supporter to get Cahill. It was just a no-brainer. Yeah, because what what we've talked about there, he, he obviously the goals he scored will will what probably sends him down in Everton history. But he really got the club, didn't he? You know, he 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 left everything <laughs> out on the pitch. He just felt like he was born to play for Everton. Absolutely. I mean, he, yeah, exactly right. He wasn't, it wasn't for him, it, was, it wasn't a job, it wasn't a stepping stone for a career. It was his passion, which I think, and I think he loved the club. And when then I think that's, I mean, Everton fans love players who love the club. I think there's issues with other players who have come and perhaps sort of feign some interest in the club at some point. But when something, you know, another opportunity comes, they leave. They kind of feel like that's, uh, yeah, you, know, you kind of feel like you had, maybe the heart wasn't quite in it as much. But with Cahill, it was never any question. I don't think he could have played for another club in England. Uh, for another Premier League club in England, obviously he played for Millwall. But I just think that because he, he did get the club, he understood the passion, loved the fans, and he, he loves it. And I still think he still retweets and tweets about Everton today as well on Twitter, uh, even though he hasn't played for the club for, for some years. I, I definitely agree with you. He, he bought into the club, and even now he's... You know, whenever whenever we do well, he's posting on on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, he, he's still a part of the club, even though he's not there, um, which is amazing. I think the fact that we signed him from a championship club for so little, and he comes to the club with kind of, I guess you could say, lower expectations than you know some of the, the bigger money signings. And then he just out of nowhere in the first season, he he's out. He's I think he was our top scorer was, in his first yeah. season. He was, yeah. Um, and it's you know he's. I've always said that in terms of the players that Australia has produced, he's not the most technical. Technically, he's not the best. He's, he doesn't have the skill that maybe you know Mark Viduka or Harry Kill had. But he had the best attitude, and he was willing to you know, work hard to get where he was. I mean, the guy's five ten, so he's he's not exactly sure. And yet, he was the best header in you know, the league at one point. His yeah. header, the way that he heads the ball, is ridiculous. It's unbelievable to think that someone, you know, as as short a stature as he, was able to do that against guys who are like six one, six two, and he's out jumping them. So. Um, it just shows, you know, the hard work and determination that he's willing to put in. How much he loved the club. He he wore his, you know, he wore his shirt, his heart on his sleeve. He he just did everything to try and and you know get us 
up there, especially in the derbies. He was always up for the derbies. You know, in the future, <clears> he's still going strong in his playing career, not internationally, which again, something else we'll come to in a moment. But would you love to see him yeah. back at Everton in some capacity in the future once he does eventually hang up his boots? Definitely, definitely. You look around and you see Ryan and you see Duncan Ferguson and they're there for a reason. They're there because they've worn the shirt. They know what it, they know what it means to bleed blue. Tim Cahill, same reason. He's not English, but he knows what it means to wear that shirt and to be an Evertonian. If he was in any, any, any manner an assistant coach, um, any manner for player development, yeah, he has been a big support regarding grassroots football, especially in Wollongong. Um, also in Dubai as well, which he's outspoken um, quite heavily about in the in terms of the Australian A League, in terms of how that needs to develop. That it can't be done through a marquee player or one player coming in, um, a big name player. It has to be done through grassroots, slow development. Initially, when he left Everton and went to America, in terms of general Australian media, he he copped a fair bit of flack. There was a lot of people thinking, why, why didn't you return to Australia and finish off your career and primary career and you could have done A-League fantastically? Um, he did return to the A-League later on, but it was unnecessary backlash to a man that's given his all throughout his career, has literally earned everything that he's done for Australia, played in World Cups after World Cups. And there was this expectation that, no, from Australia, you should come back to your roots now. Um, and I found that strange. Now, he did eventually come back and, and play with Melbourne City for a stint before, before joining overseas. But in Australia, I think there is a sense that we have had these icons throughout the last 15 years, the, the Schwarzer, the, the Kuehl, the Viduka, uh, Bresciano, Tim Cahill being the biggest out of these, the biggest easily. And... From now, uh, Tiny Tim is gone. He's retired from yeah. international. And, and there is a stage of, okay, who to look up to now? And obviously the Aaron Moy is the, the one that people look through, look through at, at Huddersfield and the, notably a creative midfielder there for Australia in the national team. But there's no one really up front that really wears the badge. And um, I, I can't speak highly the man on and off the pitch in terms of what he's provided and um, in terms of what he's, he's stated about the club. Um, even when he he left the club, he, he's still an Everton person. He yeah. still plays for Everton, even though he, he hasn't played for years. Um, I think it was a shame, um, similar to some of the Everton players uh, in the following year, that the manner that they left, they didn't get the true send-off that they deserved. Uh, if I could raise... Um, Leon Osmond, Tony Hibbert, yeah. Sylvain Distan yeah. in that manner. Um, but I can't fault him any anymore, and I'd love to see him back in any capacity at Everton. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think you know. As I said, he he knows what to do when it comes to working hard and, you know, playing for the club and, and the name on the front instead of the name on the back. I think he could teach a lot of the young kids, uh, you know, how to go about it. A bit like uh, Duncan Ferguson being at the club now. I think that that's, that's a big a big step for, you know, the youth coming through, give them a bit of, a bit of bottle to actually, you know, 
get out there and, and have a proper go. It would be it would be pretty amazing, and I, I think once he does hang up his boots, his you know his ambition would probably be to come back to us because I think at the end of the day, to you know to be fair, he's probably not going to come back and do stuff in Australia. That's not where he's at. He wants to go into management, and he wants to go into uh, you know back into into Europe. Um, I think I've, I've heard him say that he's he's. His future doesn't really lie in Australia. It, it's probably where, probably more where not just the money's at, but where he can do the best for his career after football. Um, so I think it would be amazing to have him back, uh, you know, at the club, getting getting into the youth uh, and potentially. Uh, I haven't really seen, uh, you know, I'm not too sure if he's going to be you know proper like you know head manager, but I think it would be cool to. To see him, you know, sitting next to Big Dunk at one point or another, you know, getting into the opposition. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, would would love that. I mean, I think he would be uh, a inspiration to sort of players, or even in an academy role, sort of as a mentor, as a, as a coach, or whatever it is. Because I think, as you said, he gets the club, he understands the what what makes the club tick, and he is in the Premier League era one of the best players that I think that Everton have had. So, and uh, and I think all that combines. That's why he's been so popular. I think for Everton, because not only was he a good player, but uh, he was successful as well. Like he could get goals. He got goals against the big teams, uh, and he had a never say die attitude. I think. I think he was always. He always gave a hundred, you know, hundred and ten, hundred and fifty, hundred. You know, how many percent you want to give? He, he always he gave, gave it for the club, uh, and and I think that the the fans really uh, appreciate that. Yeah, but you know that that Moyes team speaking uh, as somebody watched Everton throughout those years uh, were total commitments, and then. Some of those players have continued to play for the club, your Coleman's, Jagielka, Baines. But I don't know about you, maybe yep. you, correct me if, if you think this is wrong, but I don't know one, certainly the stars of the team, your people like Cahill, you know, who got the winning goals, who were the real fan favourites, the ones, boys and girls that have their names on the shirts of, you know, men and women having yep. his name on the shirts. I do you think Everton have had a player like him since? I know you you kind of alluded to some players then, like a Lukaku, <laughs> even though he did brilliantly for the club. I, I don't know, did he have the same affection that, that, that a Cahill had? I don't think so. I don't think there has been a player since him. It was just in terms of because there have been players who uh, people have, have liked and have been you know, have given their all for the club, um, but they just haven't had the ability or the ability to to score uh, important goals. I mean, like Stephen Nathan, for example, was a, was a was a he worked hard. He was a he, he loved the club. I think he played as hard as he could, but just didn't quite have the same ability that Cahill did, or the ability to influence um, teams, influence games, etc. Uh, and then you've also got players like you know, Ross Barkley, who, yeah, he seemed to love the club, but then you just kind of wonder what goes on inside that head. And so him moving on, just and the way he's treated the club since then, you just kind of think, oh, Tim Cahill would never do that. And you just kind of think that. Um, I don't know. I think yeah, he really does. I struggle to think of a player who would be in you know in, since he left who's been quite like him, and I just don't think there has been. So, what do you make of the current crop? It's still got a couple of those players that you mentioned in there, the, or two or three: Coleman, Jagielka, Baines, who've been around Everton for so many years and mm. real stalwarts. But there's there's a changing changing of the guard almost now, isn't there? With Marco Silva, Marcel Brands coming in, a lot of new faces. What do you make of uh, these first four or five months of the the new look, Everton? I can't fault Marcel Brown's signings at all. I think he's done fantastic in every single regard in terms of the loanies that did go out, um, how they have been performing. Vlasic, to be fair to him, he's been 
who's been performing very, very well. So it'd be interesting if he, he does manage to come back to Everton next season and see what he can produce. But uh, the fact that Lookman stayed at the club, I guess you mentioned Richarlison and Bernard in terms of what they buy into the club and Bernard especially being a player that's played his, his trade in uh, in a foreign league for quite a long period of time now and been involved in the National League for uh, Brazil, obviously, that may not understand truly what Everton represents or wearing the Everton badge represents. Um, Richarlison... For a young player, it's 21. It's it's very different. Obviously, having Premier Premier League experience before under Marco, uh, maybe potentially, but I, I don't feel honestly the the loyalty that was there, um, as opposed to the, the likes when we had the the stallmate figures of Johnny Heitinger or uh, Phil Jagielka, Coleman, Leon Osman, Tony Hibbert. These players that, not in terms of their playing ability, um, not to disrespect their playing ability at all, because Aussie was fantastic. Was, yeah. I'd, I'd love to have an Aussie in team right now, <laughs> just sitting around grabbing holes outside the 18 box. It'd be fantastic. But um, I, d- I don't think that we currently have these players that buy into Everton. Uh, well, it's. I, I, I'd say I'm not going to get my hopes up too much because. Uh, you know, we, we are doing well. It is a lot better than what we saw under Allardyce and obviously a lot better than what we saw under Coleman in his second season. But, you know, just think people were people were louding Coleman in his first season, or Koeman, however you, if you want to say. Yeah. People were louding him in his first season. He did, he did quite well. And then it was only about eight games into the next season where people were saying, get rid of this bloke. Um, it was the same with Martinez. I mean, obviously we all remember Martinez's first season. That was pretty good. Um and then the next season, he was sacked, you know, with about eight or so. I think it was about six games to go it was after the Leicester game. So I think, you know, keep, keep a lid on it a bit. At least I'm keeping a lid on it a bit. I think what he's done has been really good. He's bringing back some style into the play that we didn't really see under Allardyce last season. Um, we actually went to, I mean, yeah, the, the other day's game at, at Anfield, we actually went there to play. I personally think that we were, you know, we... I wouldn't say we outplayed them, but we were their equal, which yeah. is something that I really say at you know you'd see at Anfield. Usually we go there for for you know a dingy nil all draw or a one all draw like last season under Allardyce. But I mean this season it, it, it seemed different, and I'm I'm just picturing that Gomez header not going in um, somehow. And yeah, it's um you know it's it's pretty it, it's good, but at this stage I'm just keeping a little bit of a lid on it because I've been burnt before at least recently. Yeah, you, you talk about some of the new players there. Tim Cahill, I think what he had, he, he got the club, as we've been speaking to about, but obviously he was, he was a big star as well. You know, you, you've talked about the goals he scores, the match-winning goals. And, and and since then, I don't know if Everton have had that. Obviously, we've had your Coleman, Jackie Elka, Baines, who, who, who know Everton inside out and have been great ambassadors for the clubs, but maybe not the, the stars in the same way that Cahill was or an Arteta was. Do you think that's changing a little bit now? If you, you mentioned Gomez there and maybe Richarlison. Have we now eventually getting these kind of players who could fill their boots a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I think with, with Gomez, it's obviously he's early on loan, so it, it's too early to kind of say. But the way that he played, the way that he's been playing since he's come back from injury, I think he's only played about two or three games. But the way that he's played, it, it shows you something different in the midfield. Um, I think... Having Sigurdsson actually playing in his preferred role now is 
uh, handy instead of having him play out wide with, you know, given that he doesn't really have any pace. Um, I think, you know, having Sigurdsson firing is really good. He's starting to show his proper potential. Um, uh, I think Lookman, he's someone who I'd say, you know, give him a bit of time, get, start getting him some starts. I think he can really show it. Obviously, there was the issues with him in, uh, you know, at the start of the season, but hopefully we're kind of past that now because I think he's probably one of the players who could be a big part of the future. Um, I guess a bit, uh, a bit arguable, but one of the players who I always thought who was similar in a similar vein to Tim in that he didn't really have the most skill, uh, and but he just worked hard and he knew what it meant to be at the club. I think that was Stephen Naismith. Yeah. Um, obviously. He's been gone for a few years now, but uh, there's not many there's not many times when we get rid of a player, and I think like we've really we've really messed up here. But he, he definitely knew what it was to play for the club. He you know he, he put in a shift. He might not have been the best player. He had a really rocky start at Everton, but he you know he was one of the. I've got a young lad, uh, and he is absolutely yep. mad about Richarlison, probably in the same way. I was a bit older than him at watching Cahill, but there yeah. seems to be a few players in this team who uh, Evertonians can really get behind. You know, I'm talking Richarlison, Gomez, Sigerson seems to be coming into his own a little bit as well. Uh, Bernard started pretty well. Are you feeling pretty positive about what's, what's happening at the club at the moment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was thinking this is one of the best... The teams that have been walking out the last few weeks, is from, from my experience, my observation in my, you know, I feel like it's been some of the strongest teams that Everton have put out in the Premier League era. Um, and, I mean, Gomez is is just absolutely class. And Sigurdsson, as you say, is, I think it's our family's favourite. I think my boys, well, I've got two boys, sub-7 and 11, and they both love Sigurdsson. I think that he's just been brilliant. Um, yeah, and I think Richarlison... Uh, has certainly showed that he's got some real quality, and I mean, there's also I mean, there's also some really talented young other players like Lookman hasn't had much of a of a run, but he's got good feet and he looks like he's got some real potential. He just needs a bit of a run in the team. Yeah. Um, and there's just quality across the park, which I think in the past we've thought players have had some quality, but then you know when it, when a really push comes to shove, they've just not quite been able to, to match it but I think I mean the performances in the last few weeks uh, have shown that well there's actually some genuine quality there and I'm it's really I mean Gomez is just I think the best Everton player I've seen for a generation I think if he sticks and then fulfills his potential he, he could be an absolutely immense player and so I think I'm very excited about him and hopefully they can sign him Permanently. Just before we finish, you spoke a lot about loyalty of uh, players and how it can change. It's one thing, certainly mm-hmm. you guys are Australian Evertonian fans, are loyal because I imagine you have to get up at some strange times or have late nights or work your days around differently whenever the Blues are on telly and all the different te- uh, times kickoffs they have over here in England. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, in Melbourne, there's a few designated pubs where people go to you're either a Liverpool fan you go to a certain pub you're an Everton fan or a Manchester United fan you go to a certain pub um, I've had some good and bad experiences in that regard <laughs> one being um, uh, was, the, was the, the one where Mane scored in the yeah. 94th minute yeah the Everton pub wasn't showing that so that was broadcast at 7am Australian time which was it's quite a good time because they usually actually Generally around 2 a.m., 4 a.m. Yeah. Australian time, Melbourne time, Australian Eastern Standard Time story. Um, so that was funny walking out at 
8.50 after Mane scored in the very last 30 seconds whilst everyone else on Spring Street in the heart of Melbourne CBD is in suits ready to go to work and it's raining and you just want to go to bed and and sleep the day away. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, That derby was not very Australia friendly. Yeah, so what that time was, was that? 3.30 in the morning. Oh, my word. And then yeah. you stay up for two hours and that's your reward. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I fell asleep at probably about 11.30 and then woke up for that and then ended up driving home and going to work after that. So I was going off about two and a half hours sleep. Um, it's not like I'm back in my, in my younger days. A lot of the older guys, they always used to talk about how they'd um, you know, take the games and then watch it in the morning. And I've never really been someone who can actually do that because I'll, I'll open Facebook or Twitter and bam, there's the score Yeah. Um, every, every time. Um, so, you know, I used to stay up until four or five in the morning until the start, it started and then watch it and then go to sleep. The, the perks of being a uni student who was at uni three days a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now I'm working full time and it's obviously a lot harder. Um, I'm, you know, if it's a, if it's a midnight game, then it's perfect. If it's getting to about 2 a.m., some of the time, if, you know, like I'll find myself taping it and watching in the morning, some of the time I'll find myself, uh, you know, falling asleep just because it's that late and I'm that, uh, you know, messed about. That doesn't happen that often, but, you know, sometimes it does and I'll wake up to a great result or I'll wake up to, uh, you know, a 3 nil against West Ham. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a bit few and far between, but it's. I wouldn't exactly say it's easy. I actually, um, I actually used to live in uh, Glasgow. Oh right, okay, yeah. Yeah, so n- not born there or anything. I moved there so I could go to some Everton games, and, and I tell you what, it was it was pr- pretty glorious yeah, <laughs> being able to um, watch a game at, at three pm. Um, so <laughs> you just have a pretty good. Yeah, we're speaking on. Wednesday afternoon, UK time. Uh, it's very late, in, very late in Australia at the moment, and then you'll be waking up for the Newcastle game early in the morning before going into work. Shows total commitment yeah. to the cause, doesn't it? You, you guys, we think we have it hard with over here with some kickoffs being moved around for TV and and such. Not, but uh, you, yeah, you, you, so yeah, you've got it tough, <laughs> haven't you? Well, it's it's actually. I mean, it's the there's two windows that work well for us. The the early kickoffs actually work very well when daylight savings not on, because it's a nine thirty p.m. kickoff here, which works out quite well. But then uh, it's when daylight savings on, which is now. Um, oh, sorry, on for us, I suppose, off for you. But it uh, means that the the evening kickoffs are actually sort of the first thing in the morning, so six forty-five in the morning. Whereas when daylight savings on, it's actually a four thirty kickoff or something, which I just find hard to get up for. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I am, yeah. So tomorrow morning's perfect. It gets up. I'm getting up. I don't have to really get up any earlier at all. I get to watch the full game, which I'm looking forward to very much. Yeah. And is there a good contingent, I should say, of, of Blues over there who you you can watch the game with? Yes, there are. There are. There's, uh, so I'm in Melbourne in Australia and uh, there's a couple of groups here of people that meet up for the games occasionally. Again, it's challenging. There's some who, who are probably younger and perhaps um, don't um, need their sleep as much as I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know who, the feeling. Get for, go, go into the city for, to watch games and for meetups and stuff. And I've got to know a number of the guys from uh, some of the Everton supporters groups in uh, in Australia, in Victoria and in Melbourne, um, which has been great. I've been really enjoyed to be able to connect with a number of those. Uh, and uh, so that's been good. So some of, some of the, the lads do get together from time to time. Um, and so I'm, I try to get along when I can. But uh, it's often that there's a connections online. There's a couple of good Facebook groups, et cetera, where uh, the Everton Blues in um, – 
uh, Melbourne and, and Australia can get together and share their thoughts and vent um, and and celebrate some um, some cheer, which is occasionally coming and is happening yeah. a bit more this season, which has been good. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.